This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, I know we're short on time. Let's get to our next guest, a gentleman I remember playing for the Chicago Cubs back in the early 80s. One of my favorite club players of all time. He also played with the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Bill Buckner. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. Thumbs up. Ready to play some baseball tonight. Where are you playing tonight? Uh, we play in, in uh, Brockton. We play Worcester and uh, Can-Am League, Independent League. Yeah, so, yeah, it should be fun. Do you ever think you'd end up a manager? Uh, yeah, I, I did. not really, but then I've been thinking about it the last few years. You get to give it a shot before... You know, get in the grave. So, uh, just yeah, something I want to do, and uh, so far it's been fun. Is it hard coaching players when you were such a star player? Do you have to say, you know what, these guys don't have my talent. I got to be more patient with them. Oh uh, no, 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 no! You just, you know, everybody. It's just still baseball. Everybody's trying to to go someplace and and live a dream, and you know that's what my job is to help them do that. You know, my playing days are over. It's, it's all about the players, so uh, and I'll do my best to help them, you know, get get further along in their career and let them go where they want to go. Are there things that you picked up from various managers along the way of what you wanted to emulate and things that you want to avoid? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I played for some good managers. We started with Tommy Masorda and you know, on to uh, many managers in Chicago. I can't remember them all. <laughs> Ralph Houck uh, in, in Boston and John McNamara. Uh, played for Gene Mock and put the Angels. A lot of good managers that, that knew the game well. I'll tell you what. Walter Paul, Paul, also my first manager, Hall of Famer. Yeah. You played for it. So you started with two Hall of Fame managers in Alston and Lasorda, and then you go to Lee Elia. Well, you know, Lee was all right. He just, you know, he was new at it. He was pretty intense and got and stuck into kind of a bad situation there in Chicago and hey, that happens man you, it's, baseball is a frustrating game and uh, you know when you're not winning uh, and you're competitive uh, so you're not going to go on a tirade you're not going to go on a tirade the way that uh, Lee did back in the day hey, I hope not but you never <laughs> know you know I mean that's the thing so you get the stars to line up right and who knows what's going to happen every time I see Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record, I see you climbing the left field wall. I think you were climbing that wall to get that ball so you could sell it. Uh, yeah, they're saying that ball's going to be worth 50000 and I was only making thirty. so you can do, do the math. <laughs> Inflation's uh, been incredible in the world of baseball salaries, hasn't it? That is. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and Charlie, sure, imagine what you, you know, you know, I'd probably be in that $10 million range, you know, which is you know, obviously more than I made in my whole career. And Char- so, uh, Charlie Sheen probably would have bought that baseball from you. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, that was crazy too. That's a little, that was a little inflated, but, uh, you know, who knows, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the owners wouldn't pay the money if it wasn't there, but I don't see how they can do it. Yeah. Now, do your players know who you are and who you were? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, it's, uh, most of them are obviously uh, weren't around when I was doing my thing, but uh, yeah, they, they they're good. They're they they're a lot of fun. They're not spoiled here. They show a lot of respect and play hard. They, and you know they know whether you're serious about whether you're trying to help them. And they you know so that's I think they like the fact that I'm here. 
but they like the fact that I care about them and trying to trying to help them out. So. Let me tell my Bill Buckner story. We've had Cubs season tickets since 1982. The first couple of years, it was where the pitcher warmed up before the game. And I used to yell for your name, yell your name all the time for your autograph. Mr. Buckner, could you please sign my ball? I got kind of frustrated at the end of 83. I took the baseball and I threw it at your feet. You picked up the ball, you looked at me, you turned around and pretended like you were to throw in the outfield bleachers. You walked over to me and said, kid, no one's ever done that to me before and signed the autograph. I don't know if you hey, it worked. It worked. <laughs> my dad looked at me and said, Dave, don't ever do that again. <laughs> And then yeah, I saw you to write a book on how to get autographs. <laughs> now they throw me in jail at Wrigley Field, I think. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that Cubs? Hey, 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 can you believe that the Cubs haven't won anything for over a hundred years? I mean, it's hard to believe. Yeah, it is, uh, especially since uh, you know they, uh, you know, they've got a good, good, uh, good front office and minor league system, and they're doing things the right way. It's just, uh, uh, I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, but, yeah, it is amazing. I think the problem was they should have hired your former teammate as manager, Ryan Sandberg. This guy, they got Quaddy. He's basically buckling into the players. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I know Rhino was uh, pretty disappointed he didn't get the job. And, and it, I thought he was a lock to get it. Uh, but baseball, things change. You know, Mike got it, went in there at the end of the year and won a few games and you know, they thought that he might be able to carry that over with him. So, but yeah, it surprised me. Now, do you say to yourself, a couple years in the Can Am League, and then I can make it to the bigs, or how do you approach managing? I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to get through the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I'll evaluate the things at the end of the season. Do you ever think about your chance to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame, or you don't even think about it? Oh no, not now. I mean, I'm. Pretty much out of it, uh, so I was happy I got the votes. Uh, you know, obviously it's been a thrill, but uh, just to get votes was uh, was a thrill for me. I mean, you had twenty seven hundred hits. I mean, that's close to Hall of Fame potential. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was close. Yeah, that's why I got the votes. But uh, didn't uh, you know? I probably needed the three thousand hits to to get in. Yeah. So. Well- now, the the Cubs recently went to Fenway Park for the first time since 1918 uh, last weekend, and you were there doing the broadcast. What was that like? That was a special night. I mean, the atmosphere uh, was great. It was almost like a playoff atmosphere with, uh, you know, uh, probably about a third of the people there were Cubs fans, and they're, uh, you know, those tickets were probably pretty pricey because the Fenway is a tough ticket. But, uh, yeah, it was a great atmosphere, you know, and I, you know, plus the fact I played for both teams and uh, no people there, uh, so it made it, uh, it made it fun. And you know, doing the game came kind of natural. Of course, uh, my play-by-play guy was really good. So go ahead, he was really good. So it made it uh, made it easy for me. Which is a better park, Fenway or Wrigley? Uh, I think Fenway now, with uh, with all the improvements that they've done to it, it's it's pretty fantastic. With the uh, new scoreboards and uh, all the new seating, it looks—it still has that old flavor, but everything looks new now. Uh, where before, uh, it had the old time flavor and it looked old, but now it's—it's—I it's, uh, think probably the top of the line. Now, when you think of Bill Buckner, the big leaguer, what team do you identify yourself with most? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Dodgers, Cubs. Uh, probably one of those two teams. Uh, Dodgers.
just I started there in Chicago because that's probably my best best uh, spot that I played. You know, had the best relationship with fans, and Chicago's a great city. So, yeah, that's a tough one, but L.A., Chicago. I got to give you credit. You're, a lot of people only know you for that play in the World Series with Mookie Wilson, and a lot of people, it would have ruined their lives, but you went on, and you fought through it, and you basically persevered. And I want to give you credit for that, because a lot of players like Donnie Moore, they couldn't deal with it. Uh, I don't even think you could put me in that same category with him. So, uh, and, you know, and it's just a game. So uh, that's the end of the comment for that. So, hey, you guys have a nice day, uh, and uh, appreciate uh yeah, let me speak with you. Thank right, you very you much, later. and good right. luck with managing in the minor leagues. Thank you. Bye. But you got to, Elliot, like, I know you don't want to talk about it, but you got to give the guy credit here. Basically, I mean, he had a lot of pressure on it because Boston hit it winning years, and basically he dealt with it where a lot of people, like Donnie Moore and you have other people, with Steve Henderson or Dave Henderson, too, had issues. Sure. And Well, thankfully for everybody involved, the Boston Red Sox went on to ultimately win a World Series. Had they not, had they had this Cubs-like drought, it might not have had quite the happy ending that it did. So uh, that's, winning the World Series for Boston sort of mitigated some of that, I think, for especially for the fans, because I think the fans were the most brutal ones about it. A, a ball player generally will get over an error here or a strikeout or, or whatever happens, but... Uh, I know, it's hard. I mean, look at all the classic failures. I mean, you had Dennis Eckersley in the World Series with Kirk, Kirk. Gibson. You had, again, Donnie Moore. I know he was a former teammate of Buckner's. I mean, you've had Bartman wasn't a player, but Bartman's hiding for years because they blame him for the Cubs not making the World Series. Well, that's stupid people doing the blaming on that thing. But. Or Cleveland with Ernest Biner fumbling at the goal line. Cleveland, they can't stand the guy till this day. You know, stuff happens. Fans, short for fanatics. But when he said it's just a game, you're getting paid tons of money even back then. It's it's a business. It's a job. And if you don't do your job, there generally are repercussions, especially when they result in what happened with the Red Sox in 86 in the World Series against the New York Mets. I mean, didn't the same thing happen with Leon Durham in 84? The ball went through his glove because he had Gatorade on it, allegedly? Yes, or? yes. You know, stuff happens. Sometimes... Not the way a fan would want it to happen, but that's what makes the games interesting. If if everybody was a robot and you knew what would happen every time a ball's hit this way or that way or thrown or a bat swung, what interest would there be? Uh, look at Chris Webber. What do you remember Chris Webber for? Calling a timeout. Exactly. You remember the bad things. You don't remember the good things. Well, you, you mentioned Eckersley. What do you remember Kirk Gibson for? <laughs> Come, the home you know, run. Hitting a one-legged home run in the World Series. Bill Mazeroski made the Hall of Fame with that home run in the World Series. 1960, game-winning uh, home run, Pirates over the Yankees. Yeah, they're, they're, for every failure, not every failure, for, for most failures in sports, there's a counterbalancing success. It's it's not always one person doing everything by themselves. Uh, you know, what do you remember Craig Elo for with the Cavaliers? With the shot with Michael Jordan. Right, Michael Jordan shooting a game-winning shot over him. So and Eric Sleepy Floyd. <laughs> Very sleepy. I mean, he made that mistake and became sleepy. But again, it's the same thing. That's what you remember in sports are basically the great moments and where the people screw up. Yeah, I mean, th- that's what makes it fun. It, it, 
there's that high and there's that low that you don't probably find in the legal profession. You probably don't find that in the journalism profession. But that's what makes sports so entertaining. Peaks, valleys, uh, uncertainty. Tune in tomorrow. You go to a ball game and you see things today that you did, you'd never seen in your life. And who knows what tomorrow brings. Exactly. I was worried today with this show, with my birthday two days away, that you bring in Morgana or something to kiss me. The kissing bandit? I don't know if this studio would be large enough to accommodate those. I think she went into retirement. I don't think she's kissing baseball players anymore. How about attorneys? <laughs> if they pay enough, maybe she does. You're listening. You were listening to Sports and Torts. I want to thank all our guests, Inez, Sainz, Gail Kudrich, and Bill Buckner. Tune in next week, and we hope to have another three great guests. And happy birthday, David. Thank you.